Hey everybody and uh, welcome back to Indie Corner Radio. This is a brand new season and I am excited. I'm your host Jonathan Moody and I've got an awesome, awesome guest here. Um, so you might know him from the director of Misfits and or Misfit? Misfit. Uh, it, yeah, yeah the, the Misfits is a whole new thing, another thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, Misfit. And then there's uh, also Silence, which I just watched, just finished watching, really enjoyed, and can't wait to break into that and stuff. Um, Odd E. Braley, how you doing, Todd? I'm doing well, man. Thanks a lot for having me on, Jonathan. This is cool. I did this pronounce is- your last name right, right? Bra- Braley, yep. Okay. Yep. I wasn't People- sure. Sometimes it might be pronounced something differently. Yeah, you people know. don't. Get it. It, it, I get called Bradley a lot. They, so, they think there's a D there. Yeah, somehow, some way, somebody's dyslexic and they they find a D in there. You know, it's kind of funny because we used to get mail when I was a kid, <clears throat> and uh, my dad's name is Milton, and then the Bradley, uh, Bradley was on the was on the mail, so it would be Milton Bradley, and then one of my neighbor, one of our neighborhood friends was like your dad owns the toy company i'm like no dude no that's we wouldn't live here i don't if my dad was the actual milton bradley toy company (laughs) if he owned that man that would be awesome i wouldn't lie you know i i don't think milton bradley was a real i don't think that was one person was it i i i don't necessarily i i i couldn't tell you I you never did a wiki- Wikipedia search for it or anything after no, that. I'll, no, no, I think I'll do one. I'll, I'll do one after I get done with you tonight. <laughs> well, you check it out. I can check it out now if I wanted to. Um, <laughs> but no, thank you so much. No, it's uh, Braley, not Bradley, and uh, I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, so, it, so you talked a little bit about it, but like, what was your childhood like growing up? You know, um, we we grew up. Uh, it was I, I everything I grew up fine. I mean, I wasn't it wasn't a bad childhood. I mean, we didn't have a lot. Um, you know, my my mom and dad, you know, they worked. My dad worked at uh, the we lived in Bay City, Michigan, where I was born. And my dad worked for uh, General Motors and my mom kind of did a little bit of everything. So she would um volunteer at our local doctor the doctor's office my brother and I had a lot of health problems when we were little and so uh, because we didn't have the money to pay what my mom would do was uh, she'd volunteer at the doctor's office to kind of pay off those pay off those bills so the doctor would write that off you know no way in hell you could get that done today but um, yeah today'd be a whole ordeal yeah 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 but um you know outside of that i mean you know my parents did what they could for us and um and uh you know when when there was something that my brother and i wanted like you know when it got to christmas time stuff like that they would you know they would always do what they could to make sure that santa claus you know and then on birthdays too and stuff like that but then you know we got older and my dad kind of he was a union carpenter and kind of climbed up the ladder uh, working, uh, as a carpenter and, and did, uh, you know, the longer he worked for him, the more money he made and, you know, things got, things got better for us when we got older. So, but the whole movie thing kind of kicked in when, when I was probably like nine years old and, uh, I watched Starsky and Hutch for the first time. Starsky and, and Hutch uh, was what did it? 
Yeah, actually that in the TV show SWAT. Um, I've never heard that. Like I've heard so many people say like uh Star Wars or like like you know Indiana Jones or something, mm-hmm. you know. I never once hear uh Starsky and Hutch and uh you know, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean originally I wanted to be an animator. I used to draw a lot when I was a kid and um I watched a lot of the wonderful world of Disney that was on on Sunday nights. I um yeah. I didn't have Disney really growing up unless it was like the free Disney that they had. You know how sometimes oh. they would like offer the free, you know, month or free week or whatever. Well, this you was know? this was just regular television. ABC used to have because there were when I was a kid there were three networks. I'm 58 years old, so oh, okay. So <laughs> yeah, there was only three networks, and um, on Sunday nights at seven o'clock, uh, they, there was a TV show called The Wonderful World of Disney. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they used to show, you know, sometimes they'd show best of clips from their different animated movies. Uh, they would show their, uh, they would do. Uh, oh god they would show their like documentary stuff and it was sometimes they did other things too like they did davy crockett and yeah uh, yep yep that i I remember mr boogity from there you know yeah exactly exactly so so yeah i mean i wanted to be an animator and then once everything kind of kicked in when i started the first time i got to see starsky and hutch and swat uh then it really really I, I really kind of kicked in at that point. And then when I got older, I went to see Jaws and it was all over. Yep. Jaws, much. Jaws will do it for you. Yeah. Yep. yep. So my uh my grandmother, when I was 15, she gave me a uh Super 8 camera that was it was a Kodak Super 8 camera. It literally was a box. You know, it was only about this big. And um and it had an eye, uh, a, a viewer, eye viewer, and a lens. You couldn't focus it. You couldn't do anything. And it had a button that you push to turn it on and off. That was it. And um, I made a couple of uh, animated movies that way. And then I uh, got some friends together and started shooting stuff. And then uh, when I was a senior in high school, my art teacher um got me a uh a, a, a scholarship for a weekend um class uh film class at the art center college of design in pasadena and so i did that and learned a hell of a lot and it just kind of kind of went from there and then i had a i had a time where i kind of bailed out of of the whole filmmaking thing um and uh because I decided that drinking on the weekends and being a DJ was more important. <laughs> right. You know, you had priorities so, yeah. to. Oh yeah. Yeah. At 21, you know, <laughs> so, um, but, and I, and again, I, I, I did make a, a couple of movies when I lived and this is when I lived in California. I lived in Southern California for most of my life from like 1974 until, uh, 1999. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, deed, I, I worked in Hollywood for five years, five and a half years, actually, uh, in post-production uh, downtown Hollywood. A couple places there. I worked for uh, Veritel Video, which then turned into EDS Digital Studios. And then uh, I worked at Hollywood Digital that was uh, right on Sunset Boulevard and um, learned a lot, 
learned a lot learned a lot about editing was that sound about, design or what you know what no it was all it was post-production facility and so everything at the at the facilities both of them were facilities so there was a lot of editing going on uh color correction um and stuff like that and i worked in the tape vault uh when i worked at hollywood digital and so um but in working in the tape vault you're involved with every project that's going on you oh, know nice. like yeah we were doing we would do um we would do editing for a lot of nickelodeon tv shows like what like what oh god cat dog and uh angry beavers oh and, so all the, oh okay animated shows. Yeah, like all the animated all the animated shows and then uh they also cut trailers there so did you do rugrats yeah they did rugrats as well yeah, that's awesome yep. That was so, like I, to me that I, I'm a little younger than you, just a little bit, but you know I'm a little younger yeah. than you. So I, 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 the Rugrats was sort of what I grew up on as a kid, you know, mm. and stuff. So I, I adored that show. I adored Cat Dog a little bit. It was, uh, it was a little too weird for me, I guess. You know, I wasn't. Yeah. And I'm not an animated, like lover. You know, like I, I liked Saturday morning cartoons. Then after yeah. that, it wasn't really that into it. But yeah, I totally that would have been a dream for somebody who's absolutely into animation. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool, you know, but I also, I got to meet a lot of people too. I got to meet uh, John Milius. Um, what? You got to meet John Milius? Yes. Yes. What was he like? He was amazing. I spent an hour with the dude. He, uh, they were editing his Rough Riders uh, series that he did. Nice. And, and I got to sit down with him for, yeah, for about an hour, and and it was just me and him talking. It was uh, they were taking a break from the editing, and I was taking a break from the tape vault, and I happened to go out on the patio where everybody just everybody went to sit down and eat and do whatever they're going to do. Smoke. I smoked at the time, so and uh, he was sitting there all by himself, and I went, <laughs> "Chance of a lifetime. You going to pass that up?" And so, yeah, I sat down and and uh, talked to him, talked to him about, you know, Conan and Red Dawn and Apocalypse Now and Godfather and Coppola and Spielberg. And, um, you know, he uh, he gave me he gave me some of the best advice ever, which was um, that don't wait for anybody and i see it a lot now people and people say it a lot but he just says if you're going to make movies man he says just go out there and do it he said right. don't wait don't wait for somebody to give you money and back then i mean because that was in the 90s you know and people weren't you know you had indie filmmakers but it was still film and right. there weren't and still weren't a lot of indie filmmakers like you couldn't and, make reservoir dogs on super 8 you know and no. and be good you know and no. stuff so i i i sort of get the whole like go out there and make a movie you know thing but back in the 90s it's not as easy as like now we have all the digital equipment oh god yes yes you know and people rag all of the digital stuff but i don't think anybody realizes that if we didn't have all of this digital stuff i mean yeah you can say that that the indie market is oversaturated now but at the same time 
you know, those of us who love to make movies, I mean, absolutely love to make movies can do it now, you know, and I'm, and, and my, me personally, I'm not making them to get to, to be famous. Cause I learned a long time ago. And that was something actually Milius had, had said to me, you know, he says, if you're going to make, you're going to make the movie. I said, how do you feel about everybody knowing you and being famous? And he's, he's like, it sucks. He says, I'd rather nobody knew who I was. And so I could just go out and make movies. Right. Um, but, um, but we get the opportunity to do what we do um, because of all of this digital technology. So as much as some people like to rag on it and, you know, Tarantino is one of my favorites um, <laughs> up until kill up until after kill bill, everything after kill bill, I could do without really, but, Oh yeah. I oh, like I love it. Django. I don't know. There's just something about Django and Chain that I just I, yeah. I, oh, and I, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is my favorite of his direct directing yeah. movies. Uh I, like I, I love True Romance as his written movie, but yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I just I hold that up there because I don't know, it's just something about that movie. Just I, I just love it, you know? And, yeah. I um, tried to love it. I tried to. I and I've watched everything that he's done after that. Right. You know, you I don't did. just say, oh, well, now I'm not going to watch any of his no, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's to me, it, it was kind of one of those things. It's like in Glorious Bastards, I was not, I did not like at all. Um, but that, again, everything is Glorious Bastards, I think, is, I feel like it goes, it, it's a war movie, you know, uh, about a fake war in a way, you know, fake yeah. war stuff. And it, to me, I, I, I like Tarantino. I like his revisionist history stuff. I think it's kind of a neat uh, thing mm -hmm. to do. But after a while of that movie, I feel like I just get bored um, after a little bit. Like, I love all the Leonardo DiCaprio stuff. No, not Leo. Uh, Brad Pitt stuff. Mm -hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio and Dan Django. Uh, both of them sort of have that feeling of, like, after a while, it just kind of goes on a little bit too long. And then, um, it's, like, it's too long of a movie you know, like in my opinion, yeah, you know, I, I think because Tarantino doesn't have anybody to dial him back. No, he it, doesn't. Nobody will touch him. That's why you get what you get. And in glorious bastards, I just kind of feel like his dialogue doesn't work for period movies. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, that was one of the things that I didn't like. That's when I didn't, that was the first Tarantino movie that I didn't like. Um, and then, uh, you know, watching Django, I like my westerns without hip hop music in it. So, <laughs> um, that stuff never bothered me. But I was like, you got Jamie yeah, Fox up there, you know. And I mean, even uh, Jamie Fox. The only thing for me, the only thing good about that movie was DiCaprio's part. And then he, was, he enjoyed himself, you know. Yeah, he was. Ha you could tell he was having a lot of fun, and he was having a lot of fun on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too. And I think that's but another I reason I liked I it. I I just didn't. It it took too. That was one of those that took too long to get there for me. So, and it's not that I don't have patience. Believe me, I sat through the Irishman twice. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that yet. I don't know why. It, it's, it's not because it's, it's too long. It's just, well, maybe it's too long. It's because it's too long. I have to, long movies, unless I'm sitting in a theater for like Marvel, you know, or something, I can't, I, I can't, I'd have to like dedicate a day to watch the movie, you know, or right. whatever. So right. I have to be like, okay, for the next four hours i'm gonna dedicate to watching this movie you know um 
it's just how it goes it seems right right well um yeah so it's uh so yeah i mean back to what i was saying as far as indie films goes i just i just think that the digital thing has given us excuse me the uh, um the ability to do stuff like silence like misfit um you know like psychotic breakdown which is going to be out here pretty soon like shadows of the night you know it gives it gives us the ability to do the stuff that we want to do gives us the the ability to tell our stories and we don't have to um we don't have to deal with hollywood because i've worked you know having worked in hollywood um I just don't have the lack of morals and integrity to work in Hollywood because it sucks. Um, it was after that because when I was younger, I was like, oh, I want to win an Academy Award. Oh, I want to be this. Yeah, I want to walk the red carpet. Yeah, I want to do this. And then after I worked in there, worked there for five years and saw the lack of integrity that people had and they didn't give a shit who they wanted had to step on and who they had to walk over, who they had to screw over to, to get to where they wanted to go. You know, I was like, yeah, I, 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 no, I, no, I was just like, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't fuck Hollywood. I, I don't want anything to do with it. So, um, and that, and that has grown even more <laughs> as I've gotten older that, uh, that, you know, I'm just going to make my movies, make my, make, make what everybody calls your little movie, and I'm going to be okay with it because I still get to tell my stories and I don't have to bend a knee to anybody to be able to get it done. Right. However, and it's a weird industry for the indie film industry too. There are a lot of people who will step on other people and do oh, yeah, things that like that, you know, as if they're in Hollywood in the indie industry. And I'm like, I, I, I mean, my my take on the indie industry is like it, it's great that we're able to make any movie whatever right and put it mm -hmm. out most of the time if you look on tubi most of the time the movies are bad you know they're just really they're, bad they're really, really bad they should not have been made um and you how, ask yourself, somebody gave them money or they didn't and that's the worst part is they they do the th thing that milius said which is go make your movie, right? They go and make well, this terrible movie, and then but, but have have some have some uh, take pride in it. That was that's the one thing that I think that the indie film guys have forgotten about is taking pride in the quality of your work. You know, I mean, even if you shoot something on on you know, like I shot. One of the one of the films that I did back in 1992 was called High Hopes, and um, it was we shot it on a three chip Super VHS camera, and that was a beefy ass camera. <laughs> but we also shot it, you know, we shot it on uh, metal tape. Um, the and Sony made these really nice, high quality. Uh, metal as super vhs tapes and the camera was you know equal to a beta cam 
And all you have to do is make sure that your shots are just have some kind of idea about how to set your camera because if you don't then you get what looks like you know you gave a five-year-old a handy cam and told him to run around even though somebody goes oh i shot that on a red okay doesn't look like it bro so you know so it's you can make anything look good as long as you're taking the time to set up your shots and block your actors and and that the writing is good. I think you know, shitty movies start with the writing. Uh-huh. And if the writing's bad, then it doesn't and then at that point then it doesn't matter how good of camera you use or even if you know how to set up a shot, if your script sucks, then you got then I mean, you get what you get. I mean, what, what is your my question is you say you say there's a, a lot of the indie movies are crap, but my question to you is: for you, I know what 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 makes movies crap for me. What is what is what is crap for you? So, <laughs> I do a show called Indie Film Cafe. I don't know if you know that or yeah. not, but um, yeah. and our we have a stinkometer, right? So we rate our movies from one to ten: one being good, ten being stinky. Right. Okay. And stinky can sort of be good if you like enjoy bad movies. Right. But Which like people seem to. Yeah. I mean, I, I sometimes gravitate toward like I'll watch the room. It's so bad, but it's so fun, <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. But um, there's but the room is on a whole nother level because they had the money. They had the they had the everything. The script was terrible because Tommy is not a writer. And doesn't right. speak English very well. Right. Um, so a lot of it was just sort of, and everybody had to pretty much say of the way Tommy wrote it. And it just sounds really terrible when actors do that. Um, and that's the thing is like, uh, what makes to me, what makes a movie bad is if you can't see it, you know, you don't can't see what's going on. You can't yep. hear what's going on. The sound is terrible. Uh, yep. The dialogue makes no sense to what's going on in the movie um mm. there's a and i'm, I'm not going to say the name or anything i'm not going to call anybody out there's directors more than one directors out there that shoot movies very fast like three or four days and stuff right and they yeah. get a feature film done in three to four days um and they shoot basically with no script barely or whatever if they have a script it doesn't seem like it and then they take the scenes and the scenes are just uh boring there's like nothing yeah. going on for half the movie you know mm -hmm. even if they're in a whole nother location whole nother group of people it's either somebody walking or two people walking with no dialogue things like that that's just it's like get to the get to what's going on and gotcha. my co-host always says, and you nailed it though, Todd, you nailed it with the fact that like the writing, he always says that writing is the is free. You know, just getting on a you know, you don't even need a script writing software. Just learn where to put things and you can make mm -hmm. it like a play. It doesn't matter. People are gonna take the script anyway if you're making it with yourself. So uh, if you're not to anybody, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I somebody gave me shit about 
my uh because i use i still still use like what is it celtics i don't know how everybody oh, celtics yeah i like so i used to like celtics I, I, I I use that all the time. I still have the really old version of it, so I, it's not online. It's free, it's yeah. My yeah. computer, and um, somebody said, "Oh, you must have wrote this. This isn't. This isn't. Uh, oh, what's the name of final that? draft? Final draft. Well, this isn't final draft. I'm like, dude, I I'm not selling this bitch to anybody. I'm making it myself. Does it fucking matter? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, yes. Final draft is industry standard. However, or so it was. I think now yeah, other things have taken over, like maybe Fade In or uh, yeah. Magic Movie Screenwriter. Um, but it doesn't matter unless exactly. you're selling the movie to a company. And even then, I was I I sent in a script. It was not formatted the right way for a television thing. Sent it into mm -hmm. a script writing uh, contest with a you know sort of a they judged they kind of gave it uh like some notes and the yeah. one thing they said is there was punctuation problems but all that can be fixed in you know by anybody you know whatever so like right. they don't even look at that anymore they just look at is this a good story yeah is the story really good did you, did you grab me in the first two pages um that's and that's to me that's all that should matter anymore you know I remember you you were talking about how how the indie um how the indie crowd is now just no different than Hollywood and I think what a lot of that is is these guys and, and it didn't used to be like that I mean when I lived in California and I was getting getting started I used to take um I took uh, directing classes from a, a guy named Jim Pasternak fucking awesome 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 uh directing teacher and he um you know we had we had uh one of the janets i always forget which one you know the janet and janet casting oh, right. uh, people that you see all the time we had one of them in our class um a guy named michael nathanson his name is like all over all over stuff from the from the 90s oh, from nice. like patriot games um empire records uh, what did he do and, for them he was one of the one of the producers producers okay cool. yeah. yeah so anyway but he was in the class and the and the one thing that indies used to have was everybody was always rooting for the, the for the other one because we all wanted to get to the goal which was just getting our movies done and getting them seen and that's all we gave a shit about and and that was that was where I think where everything went south. And I have there are other indie filmmakers that argue with me about that, and they can argue with me because, well, it's America and you can do that. <laughs> um, but they're wrong because <laughs> because it for me being having seen the birth of the film festival and how film festivals after after sundance screwed over the indie crowd then you had slam dance well slam dance screwed over the indie crowd and now there's you know 50,000 of these things and what i saw as things were progressing when you started getting even more and more of uh the film festivals it 
just then all of a sudden it's not about making movies anymore it's about a competition and then what happened with that is all of that shit filtered over into just the indie filmmakers themselves now where we're at is they don't they're they're just trying they'll the amount of shit talking that's out there that people will do it's it, again now we're back to it's not about getting the movie done anymore it's, it's let's go ahead and try to sabotage as many people as we can so we can get our so my movie will be successful well the only way your movie is going to be successful is if you fucking market it correctly it looks halfway decent it has a good story and this is all circling back to what you and i were just talking about you know um and i and i wish that there was that kind of camaraderie in the indie film world as there was in the 90s you know, even, even 10 years ago jonathan yeah. 10 years ago it was still pretty good but now it's it's literally... i don't know i think 10 years ago is when it started well, to kind of go that way so 10 years ago before that yeah so you know, I, I think early 2000s it was it was good because i was seeing so many people because I mean, oh, you know what it was? I think, honestly, it's social media. Like, this sounds terrible, but like, because social well, media is the greatest marketing thing ever, but it can also be the greatest way to sabotage people yep. and yep. screw over. I mean, I if it weren't for social media, we wouldn't be having this conversation and stuff. We wouldn't Absolutely be doing not. this. No. So I don't, I like, not at all am I saying social media is a bad thing. I'm saying... It, on some levels there are there are the some levels thing. it is great and some levels it is terrible and yeah um and you know what i'm not gonna lie there's probably times where i've been sort of a dick you know on um social <laughs> yeah. media and stuff uh -huh. um because you know you can only be get treated like a dick so long before you start retaliating becoming a dick you know yeah yeah what a, you know something that happened to me a long a, a while ago um where somebody or where i made a film that um was fairly good um it's hard for me to watch it because of what happened after it got finished um people got you know and the other thing that we that you got to throw in the mix are egos ego yep egos run absolutely rampant you know and it's funny that it's a lot of the people that have those egos are people that really shouldn't <laughs> the kind of work you do dude you shouldn't have that kind of ego you know and then there's you know the attention hounds where they're everything is oh oh you know oh i'm gonna quit oh i'm not gonna do this oh i don't want to do this anymore and a week later they're like hey i got this new movie i'm gonna do um, but it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's just kind of one of those things that, um, that I think that we, we just need to prop each other up and, and stop making it a competition. I, I don't think that it's gonna, I don't think we'll ever get back to that because it's, you know, the whole next, you know, the next generation of filmmakers coming up behind us are, are that's what they know and that's what they learn and until they're taught something different 
you know it doesn't get the the chain doesn't break it just it just kind of keeps doing this so i agree and and the biggest problem too with social media is uh also the advantage of like indiegogo and and things like that which is amazing you know mm-hmm. like if you thought about it in, in 19 you know the 1990s you know if if somebody had that power to to you know get their indie films done uh people might have gotten the chance to do it you know whatever but um mm-hmm. it it, beca- it became oversaturated and and everything okay. in fact i was talking about it the other day is like i i don't like raising funds um i just Dude, i'm just not a fan of it you know i i hate it i hate uh, it i i yeah i agree with you i'm sorry i'm gonna let you i'll let you finish no no i'm just i was actually gonna ask about that for you because you've made your own films i mean have you have you gone the crowdfunding route i went the crowdfunding route on a series we did a series a while back called the uh surviving the undead did it all on my own dollar um everybody worked for free um it took us six months working every weekend for six months to uh to get this series done it's actually available if you go to spark s-p-a-r-k-k tv.com um you can see the whole series there but we did this series and then i wanted to do a second uh season Mm -hmm. and went you know crowdfunding was pretty new at that point um and so i because Kickstarter was the only option you had at that point. And so I, uh, I did this campaign. I was trying to raise, I don't know. I think I was only trying to raise like six or seven grand. And, um, you know, I barely got to 1500 and, um, it was just not Kickstarters, you know, you have to do, get it all. You you don't make it, you know, exactly. So we lost, you know, we didn't get the whole thing. So we lost all of it, but it was, um, you know, I, I guess I just, because growing up, uh, when I was a kid and I, and I think this is where it stems from, from me asking anybody for money. I, I just, it's the hardest thing in the world because when i was when i was younger if i asked my parents for money you know well what do you need the money for well how are you going to spend it well what are you going to do with it why do you need ten dollars why do you you know it was a lot of you know i'm not going to say that my parents were were assholes about it but they were kind of assholes about it which is okay i mean it's their money and it's literally and it's literally the same thing the only thing you're doing is now you're asking people for thousands of dollars and people and sometimes people you don't even know you know exactly thousands of dollars exactly. and exactly so, and, and that that is in investing generally you know investors exactly. you don't know the person and you're going to exactly. ask you know some guy who runs an investment firm or something you know and ask right. ask you know angel investors but uh yeah. in this sense it's it can be it can be annoying when and I probably did this years ago and I didn't realize how terrible it was. Um, but you know, it shouldn't be your first introduction to somebody on Facebook saying, you know, Hey, uh, can I, you know, I'm making a movie. Can you give me money? Because the A that's very impersonal. Somebody even taught me like, don't do that. Start a conversation with the person, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't even like start it for a couple weeks, then 
be like, oh, by the way, I'm doing this and, you know, and stuff. Well, but and then I don't like it. That's just good manners. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, to me, it's like if you're if you know somebody has money to invest um, and the only reason you're talking to them or or if you're trying to get somebody to invest in your crowdfunding shadows of the night right back here, Indiegogo, you can look that up. Um, oh, shadows of the night is on Indiegogo. Yes. Yeah. Nice. We've raised, we raised almost four thousand dollars in the last seven days. So um, sweet. So, yeah, we're trying to get to about fifteen thousand. Um yeah, but, it's, it's a it's a lofty goal these days because yeah. you know you have to defeat everybody else who's doing it too. You know. Well, and the other thing, the other thing is, is I I feel like crowdfunding, and I you know I I mentioned this, um, talking to a friend, the crowdfunding thing. I feel like that money. I would rather be uh, be beholden to if I said if that's the right term to an investor who has given me let's say fifty thousand dollars i would rather having that money i feel like you're going to be more responsible and work harder to make sure that that movie is good to make sure it sounds good to make sure it looks good to make sure the script is good because you're being held accountable whereas crowdfunding you're not and i've seen a lot of stuff that comes out of crowd you know guys that are getting 250 300 000. now there's a handful of those um you may or may not know some of these guys are selling roles you know if you give them twenty thousand dollars you can have the lead role well in I, i've done that before but it wasn't like lead roles you know or whatever and uh I, I, in fact, uh, one guy did it on his own dime, came out and did a great mm -hmm. job. And then told I told him after that, I'm, we're going to be paying you the next time to come out and everything right. and stuff. But right. he did it, well, you know, I, 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 but to me, I, again, for crowdfunding, I feel like you're not being held accountable for the, for the money a lot of times, because once you get that money, you can do whatever the fuck you want. And you and, mm. and I know I'm pretty sure you've seen some of these guys that have taken this money and then they're gone. They disappear. I've seen that multiple times. They never times. they never make the movie or whatever, never. but or never even try, I guess. They I mean me, and they disappear. For me, yeah. a lot of it was and I hate I hated Indiegogo back in the day because it wasn't the you know, you make all of it and die. You know, or whatever. So you actually, if you only made a hundred dollars, you've got that hundred dollars. You have to give it either back or, you know, save that hundred for you know trying to raise the money for the next one, you know, right. next time. And sometimes people got, you know, people don't don't like it and everything. And I I get it. Like I'm still working. There's one project I've I'm trying to finish this year that you know um, that's taken me like ten over ten years to make. You know and stuff and um i can't I wait that. for it to be done but it's you know it, it's not it's not a feature now because we just didn't have the money to make it if you know but mm -hmm. it is what it is you know like yeah. do you yeah, want it done it. or do you want it uh you know not done <laughs> well and and i again it's it's uh and, well and i know what it's like 
to have a to have a movie that you want to get done i've got a script that i wrote called the dj and it's um it's it's a very personal movie it's about me as a dj back in the 80s i was gonna ask about that because you mentioned you were a dj earlier yeah yeah so i actually i wrote a script about that because you know somebody asked me one time what it was like to be a dj in the 80s i said it was the closest fucking thing to being a rock star without having to learn without having to know how to play an instrument (laughs) um and because when i i learned how to dj and i was crazy off the hook i i learned how to dj as not only playing music but being a uh being the host of the party so you know i i learned how to entertain and play music at the same time nice so it was you know when i dj'd you got a fucking show (laughs) i mean it was you know, but we also had great music back then. You know, we had, you know, we had Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson and two live crew and, and, you know, uh, Chris Cross. They make Chris you want to jump, jump. No, no, no Chris Cross hadn't come out yet. That was the 90s. That was the 90s. But, I forgot. I thought, was, that, you know, that was, that was my, those were my jams. <laughs> yeah. We had ACDC. I mean, um, you know, Ted Nugent and, and, um, a scandal and berlin and you know it was all of the 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 really cool 80s uh run dmc so run dmc know, maybe yeah i mean that was that was run dmc before walk this way so you know it's like that and that's the way it is so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was just it was just it was an awesome time and and somebody told me one time well you should write a book about it and I was like, well, yeah, I guess I could do that, but I, I'm, I'm not good at writing books and I better at writing scripts. So I wrote this script and, uh, everything in that script, as far as music goes, I've got like 32 songs in that movie. So this would be but, a Hollywood movie. Um, it, it doesn't have to be, it could be, um, but it, because of not just because of the music you know the music is in there but every piece of music has a purpose it's not just like i decide oh i wanted to throw white lines in here um no it actually has a reason point of no return by expose is in there that has a reason i mean Mm -hmm. everything the music is just as much of a character in the film as every as as the characters themselves and you know i i did a budget on it and everything i mean it's you know it's a 10 million dollar it doesn't sound like a lot but it's a 10 million dollar movie three and a half million is in music rights alone wow so so yeah it's um but you know if it ever gets made it's one of those things i keep pushing you know to see what i can do to to get this movie done and every so often i get a bite and somebody said, well, I, you know, I don't have that kind of money, but if you can get somebody else, you know, so it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, I'm kind of gathering all my fruit and getting it in one basket. Hopefully within the next few years, I can get that done, but you know, it'd be one of those movies that would be like Saturday night fever. I mean, it would be that kind of, that kind of fun. It would be that kind of, um, 
storyline, um, not the same storyline, but I mean the 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 type of storyline that Saturday Night Fever was, right? And so you know, it's it's a it's one of those things that you know, like you, you know, you're just like this and hoping you can get it done. Yeah. Um. So. So I yeah. mean, it's it's hard work a lot of time period from. Um, once again, I mentioned I don't like development, you know, right, like right. I, I, I like writing, you know, I like the writing part of development. I like getting the project start, the creative stuff, uh, right. the more um, uh, and, and I think producing and I want to hear your thoughts on this, but I think producing is very creative, you know, and so yeah. a lot of people think it's technical or it's, you know, whatever. But I think it's it's very creative because. The producers have to figure out ways to to get around things to make things work, you know, or right. whatever. So producing is very creative. I like producing. I love directing because it's creative, and I like writing because and acting because it's creative. So I like all those things. Um, I do not like the technical stuff. I don't like editing. I don't like, uh, you know, I mean, I don't mind being there with an editor and seeing the shots and stuff. Right. I mean, because that's creative. But I I don't like you know i don't like sitting there and for hours on end putting things together like to me that's yeah, that's my favorite part that's, that's your favorite, favorite part? part yeah believe it or not it's kind of funny somebody somebody looked at me and and thought i was just a a, a nut when i said um we were uh it was uh, what were you i think we were shooting silence and when we're shooting silence uh my buddy John Briner, who played the dad in Silence. Oh, I loved over- him. He was great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, he was he was good. He leaned over to me and he goes, "Hey, man," he says, "Isn't this just like the fucking coolest thing?" He says, "We're making a we're making a movie now." John had been on another project where I I didn't know him. It was actually a project that I met him on. And I leaned over to him. I said, "Dude, you're gonna hate me when I tell you this." I said, "This I fucking hate this part. I hate the shooting part." Really. I love the shooting yeah. part. I don't and, know. And, and, it, and it's it, it's weird because I, I guess I hate it rolling up into it. Once I get going, I'm okay with it and I'm good with it. I, I just, it's just kind of one of those things that, especially when you're doing something where you, you, where you're not paying anybody, you don't have the budget to pay anybody. You've got enough to pay for food, maybe some costume, some wardrobe and, and uh, maybe some props but that's about the extent of it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're stretching, you know, maybe not paying your water bill this month or something to, to get there. But it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I just, the, the shooting part of it, it's just like, God, I wish it, hurry up, get it over with so I can get into the editing room and make this <laughs> fucking thing. We're the know? exact opposite. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm in the creative stuff and I'm like, all right, let's just, you know let's slow you know slow this down i'm ex- you know every day is so amazing like i'm right. I'm in the moment I, I think it's also the actor part i don't know i don't know if you're an actor as well but you know i think it's an actor thing too bit. it's like i love being on sets you know period right. so when i'm on a set i i just feel at home you know and everything so it just feels good uh, the editing bay, I don't really do that. So I have like I have an amazing editor that I use named Chris Roll, um, who I use for most of my stuff these days. And he just he knows how to do it, you know. So he goes there and he just pieces everything together, sends it to me. I might go, 
was there another take on this one? Because I didn't like that. And then send it back. You know, right? And then he goes and tweaks something, sends it back to me. And I'm like, this is great. Or he'll come over and show me. I, I, that part I hate because I don't like sitting there going, okay, God, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I guess because I, I learned how to do everything. I was also, before I worked in Hollywood, I was also, I kind of jumped around. Um, I worked with a, a guy named Larry Simeon who did a movie with uh, Al Sapienza, who was, he was on uh, the, the first season of the Sopranos. Um, he was uh, uncle June's little sidekick that got blown away at the end of the first season when he, in, when he was jogging uh, Paulie and Chris went out and blew him away. Um, and then uh, he was also on uh, uh, what was that Netflix show with Kevin Spacey? Oh, House um, of Cards. Yeah, House of Cards. He was in House of Cards. Um, anyway, he was on there, and James Matteo was in it. James was in. Uh, uh, he was just. He was actually just on the Paramount Plus the offer. And oh, he, well, who's he in the offer? He was. Uh, he was one of. Um, he was one of Giovanni Rubisi's guys. He got okay because there's like Lou Ferrigno, and then there was a couple yeah, other was, guys. He was, the, he was the the smallest guy. Okay, but, but James was also he was Percante in um in uh, Band of Brothers. So um, and before when I met him, he had just he had done Hook. He was one of the main Lost Boys. One, in one of the main Lost. I actually met yeah. a Lost Boy too, so it's funny. Like, uh, yeah. well, a friend of mine introduced me to him and stuff. So, it's 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 neat because I I grew up on like once again '90s, you know. So that yeah. was, yeah. you know, I I didn't care if it was Steven Spielberg because back then I didn't really know who directors were. <laughs> like, right. I was right. just like, right. there's a there's a Peter Pan movie I can watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, working on that, you learned I was the second AD, but I learned how to do everything. I learned how to become I learned how to do a first be the first AD because the the first AD had gotten sick and had to leave for a couple of days. So I wound up stepping into the first AD and I had never done it before. I didn't know what the fuck to do. I just jumped in and I just you know, I, I got there early and learned everything that had to be done in like literally 15 minutes. Um, were you, were you a nice AD or a mean AD? No, I was, I was actually Al Sapienza was one of the producers of this film. It was, again, it was called the gifted. And, um, my, my time as a first AD, I did so well that Al wanted to fire the other dude. <laughs> And, like, make, and just keep you right well because the the days that we were shooting we had we had some we, the schedule was really tight we had a, a a pool room scene that we had to shoot and it had a fight but we only had five hours in this pool room when we had three scenes to shoot in the pool room i got with the uh the dp at the beginning and I said, okay, what do we need to do? He goes, well, I want to do this. And him and the director were there and they had their storyboards. Okay. We want to do this. We want to do this. And we want to do this setup. We want to do this setup. And so it was like, we got the, you know, we got it. I got everybody set up. I got, kept everybody quiet. Everybody got in how much more time you got, how much more, you know, do we need to get this light? All right, guys, come on, let's move this thing. Let's move this. Thing. I wasn't a dick. I just, 
was pushing and getting everybody to do it because I knew we had five hours and that was it. And the, and the scenes weren't short. And when you got a fight scene in there as well, there's, you know, that, that shortens the time span even more because then it's blocking and okay, I'm going to punch you here. And you know, the blocking for that thing took 35 minutes. So but because I kept everybody moving, not only did they get done what they wanted done on their shooting script, but I also, they, I got them through it with enough time to even get more stuff than they had planned on getting. It's like, oh shit, well, we got an hour left. I said, okay, so here, let's do this. I say, what do you want to get? And they were just talking about like close-ups and stuff on the pool table that they originally were thinking they were going to do another another time with a different pool table since it was just close-ups on that. I said, okay, let's do this. Why don't you guys get this stuff? I turned around. I said, tell me what you don't need. So they said, don't need that, don't need that, don't need that. So and because there was no sound on this, the guy, um, the uh, the director was I, I just. He just said, okay, no sound on this. I turned around and I looked at the, the grips and the guys. I said, okay, all this shit needs to go. Take it out to the truck. So that way, when we came down to to leave, we had two lights and the uh, the camera equipment. And then we could get out of there. So, I mean, and we were still out of there 10 minutes before we had to be. So, That's awesome. Yeah. So it was just one of those things that, you know, I learned about that. I learned how to, I, I learned about the lighting. I learned about, you know, the electrical stuff, uh, what, what to plug in, what not to plug in. Um, I also learned watching a producer on this thing that, um, a light got knocked over and, uh, he spent two and a half hours, um, trying to put, playing the blame game on who to, who broke it. And instead of just putting a putting the light back it wasn't destroyed it broke the fucking bulb you know it was a 10k you gotta you gotta put a new bulb in the in the in the light and just keep shooting you know mm -hmm. so I, I almost got fired because i just said how much longer are we going to spend trying to blame somebody for what happened i said for the two hours that we've been standing around listening to you shoot your mouth off we could have been shooting well, who the fuck are you? I said, I'm the guy that's trying to keep things moving. What were you at that time? I, I was the second AD. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I also, so I was in charge of the extras. So I had all these, I had 20 extras sitting in the background and I'm like, can we just move this along? And so it was kind of something that I learned and I carried into, it doesn't matter how it got broke. It broke, fix it and fucking move on. And right. that, that was kind of the, and that, that's, that seriously, that has never stopped where Hollywood is concerned. Um, it's, it's just, it's like, let's not fix it. Let's stand around and point fingers and blame everybody and see, you know, how much, how much time we can waste. Yeah, and, exactly. I've, I've seen that a lot. And, uh, I was watching, uh, project green light and that that happened sort of thing where everybody's yeah. arguing about something or whatever and i was like the time you guys are arguing right now you could be getting setting up to get ready to go shoot yeah. argue yeah. after you know or whatever 
I mean, unless it's literally like the worst thing that possibly happened, you know, like somebody set fire to something and you need to. Well, yeah, that's that's different. But if right. all you did was knock over a light and the only yes. thing that's wrong with the light is the, the light bulb. Change the fucking light bulb. Change the light bulb. There's other Channel light bulbs. Light Go to the up. hardware store as quickly as you can. You know, shoot. shoot. Yeah, Sorry. keep shooting. Um, yep. you know, it reminds me of, like the movie Ed Wood. That's one of my favorite films. It's <laughs> really just that. like keep going, keep going. You know, oh. like, you know, keep yeah. rolling. It doesn't matter if you bump into Don't something. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Nobody will. Nobody will even notice. It happens. Everybody real- notices, but it doesn't matter because they made the fucking movie. Yep. yep. Because like that's exactly. the thing. That's the problem. That's why a lot of films do don't get finished and stuff is arguing or people leaving or people whatever and and whatnot yeah. when they just just finish the fucking yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um so I wanna I wanna go into a lot a lot of like stuff with silence because I did just watch okay. it and I did really, okay. really enjoy it. And I think it's a very powerful and moving film and um I'm, i hope more people see it i know it's on tubi and stuff um but people it, have been watching it because i've been getting my uh my payouts from tubi for silence and people are watching that movie good good i'm glad to hear that yeah. um so you know first of all it, it says sort of was based on a true story can you go into that a little bit well it, it's it was based on something that i that i read about um and then uh, it was um, a woman that that was attacked in her home, and then the issues. Now we we actually made. Let me let me back up just a little bit. The um, I made a short film version of it, which is available also on Spark TV. It's called Silence. Um, I made a short film version of it with another actress um, uh, probably three or four years before I made the feature. And I had read about um, a woman that was attacked. And and part of what happens with someone who uh, who is sexually assaulted like that, it doesn't just there. You know, a lot of people focus on the um the victim themselves but i think what a lot of times what people forget is what happens also to the people around them how it doesn't just a rape never just affects one person right it always it affects everyone around them it affects the family it affects the friends um it can even affect you know like in our, like in our film uh even the psychiatrist um, <laughs> well, well I, I have to say that psychiatrist was amazing. I loved her, but man, yeah, she, her character in the beginning was like, I don't want to do this. I don't, you know, I want a professional setting. I don't want to do that. And you kind of see, I guess, her, you know, kind of get more involved with uh with Caitlin and everything. But I just like in the beginning, she was rough around the edges, and then she had to like sort of warm up, I think. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things when I write my stuff something i learned um from watching michael mann's heat that was the first time i ever watched a film where everybody there was nobody in this movie that you didn't give a shit about um you know it was like there were the 
there were the 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 bad guys and the good guys but all of the bad guys they all had lives and you knew who their wives were you knew who their kids were um even if they were only there for a, a short period of time in the film um they all had lives and then you had all the cops and pacino's you know what his life was like and and what you know you knew the other guys that were a part of his group the the families that they had they had wives and kids and stuff so when you get to the big shootout at the end of the film spoiler alert when people start dying you're not like yeah it's not like watching die hard where you know right where where he's taking out all the bad guys and you're happy taking out the bad guys and you're like oh yeah fucking shoot him again and you're watching heat and everybody is um and everybody's getting shot you're like you know tom sizemore takes one to the forehead but you're like wow man that dude had you know three kids he had a wife um so i just remember after seeing that i thought to myself you know when i when i'm writing from here on out i'm going to make sure that everybody has some kind of existence even if even if there's just this much shown and that was one of the things that i did with uh with the doctor's character was you know to give to show that not all psychiatrists are bricks of are are blocks of stone you know that they that they have that that sometimes what happens behind the closed doors in their sessions can affect them as well so that was that was part of and that's what i wanted to, you know and that was the whole thing i thought you know what everybody in this movie is going to have a character arc you know usually you only have like a handful of your main actors that are going to have character arcs and then everybody else will just you know like minions follow mm-hmm. however you're going to have them follow but you know it's i i just decided on that project that i wanted to make sure that everybody had a character arc you know everybody had an arc so something it changed what happened to caitlin is going to change every single person and do something to them right that that is going to you know that what happened to her was not just going to affect her you know obviously you wanted to show that but then i sprinkled in you know with the with the with her with her friends how how much that affected them and and yeah like uh tasha but even tasha uh the the tasha character had an arc before because you know she got attacked and stuff uh by the guy who gets accused and you think i was like i mean i've seen it of like horror films and stuff which this was not a horror film but i sort of like it has a sort of trope of like uh you know, a fake out, you know, like this guy's a red herring. He's, you know, obviously you're supposed to, you know, supposed to think he's, you know, you know, he's too obvious of the, of the guy, you know, and then there is a little bit of a twist at the end and I won't spoil it because I want people to go see it. There's a little twist at the end where you don't know what the hell is going on. And it gets very confusing at one point. And I like that. And uh, even the ending sort of, um, I might have to talk to you afterwards because the ending uh, ending was great, but it just sort of like made me wonder about things. So I think that's what your well, point was. And, and that was that was the thing, you know. I mean, somebody somebody gave me when it was when it first got on Amazon, 
they were talking um they were like oh this movie was really good up until the end kind of like a stephen king book and <laughs> and i thought well you know that's, that's good. a compliment that's a compliment um but at the same time it's like it wasn't a it wasn't an ncis episode you know we it wasn't girl is raped now we have to find the rapist who's the rapist it's life isn't that, like that you no, know, it's sometimes not. life doesn't, you know, close chapters on you, you know, exactly. sometimes you'll, exactly. you know, she, she claims she never saw the attacker, you know, and if she never saw the attacker, right. then she really doesn't know who did it, you know, exactly. it could be anybody, yeah. um, you know, I, I, honestly, I think, and this is my personal opinion, and obviously there's probably other people who have different opinions, but I think it's, nobody we know like it's just some random person who's just in the house that just and that was time. that was the whole point that was the whole point originally i was gonna have judas be the rapist but then i went but that's it's too obvious it's too obvious and honestly i i would have hated it like i hate to say this but i would have hated that yeah. because um i would have felt like it's a sort of a cop-out like we need yeah. uh we need him to be the bad guy I like the idea of like not knowing and wondering who 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 it possibly could have been, you know, right. kind of thing. And and knowing that like the people I could rule out, you know, like I'm I'm pretty sure of a few people, like, you know, that it probably wasn't. But even then you kind of show it where it could be somebody it could have been somebody because they have everybody has these ways of like manipulating you you know and making yeah. you feel like you know like you're you're fine and then it could be the boyfriend or whatever and right. he you know it could have been him but because like he he had no other you know like way you know like we didn't know you know like so i i just yeah. love that that's the kind of stuff i i love to see is just ideas of like who the hell could it been but mean thinking in my head it's it's just somebody random actually makes it even worse you know well and that again that was that was kind of the point when i was doing the original outline just trying to figure out what was going to happen from scene to scene and um when i came down to that you know do i want to tell everybody and then and then a lot of people would come up to me after they watched the movie like when we had the premiere we had like a full house at this premiere man nice a couple hundred people at this thing and people were coming up to me afterwards how who's who did it hmm. i said nobody in the movie i yeah. said i don't i said it, it doesn't matter the whole point of it wasn't wasn't again when i when i say it's not a csi episode where we're, we're trying to find out who the rapist was um you know, this was, I wanted to show what happened to this girl and what happened to her friends and family after that happened. And that was the point of the movie, not to have it happen and then have to find out who the rapist is. So um, it was, that's, that's how I put the movie together, you know, and, and I really, cause it was more of a, it was more of a character study and it was more of a, of a telling a dramatic telling of something that has happened unfortunately hundreds of thousands of times it happens mm -hmm. 
every two minutes. It says it in the poster that I have. Every two minutes, uh, somebody in the United States is sexually assaulted. And, and that was was that a uh, statistic you looked? Yeah, up? that was that's a statistic. So I yeah. wonder, I wonder if that's still true. Like, yes, I don't. I looked it up again because uh, I wanted to use some of that in the description to put it on the streaming channels. And, um, and uh, I wanted to make sure that it was still, uh, still relevant from uh, what was that? Five years ago, four years ago. And it is. So that's just sad because I mean, there's so many people in the world period anyway. So, I mean, there's, there's chance that it's like a one minute, you know, every one minute, you know, somebody's being uh, attacked, but I, I just, um, it it got brutal and it got pretty nasty, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, once again, almost kind of horror, like, and I know you've done horror, so, you know, it kind of, kind of felt like that but i mean it's obviously very dramatic it's a tra- drama piece um and by the way um elizabeth Elis- Elis- <laughs> it's really hard to say. i, I, I kind of don't like people have like names like that because it's just hard to say because you can't say lis you know like yeah, well, it's it's just it's elizabeth elizabeth she's she's sweet i i adored her in the beginning and i even adored her at the end because i kept thinking I feel for her like yeah. I um, and and I think maybe it's my how I am now, because I bet 10 years ago or even 20 years ago, I might have been feeling different, you know, or whatever. And been like, why is she still being like that? But like nowadays and knowing trauma and how screwed up it can get where uh, she's like she's in her brain, man. Like that's all that stuff is happening over and over in her thoughts, the PTSD and everything. And she is completely 100% um, angry, you know, like she doesn't know how to stop it and everything. And, um, and and I did, I did a lot of homework um, and went to uh, some websites and uh, that are for rape victims and talked to some of the people on those websites. I contacted them and sent emails and they all were very helpful. And I'm, you know, when you're doing, when you're trying to portray something, you want to make sure you get it right. Cause there's nothing worse than giving you the Hollywood version of something that's really, it, it's not okay to give you the Hollywood version of. And so I wanted to make sure that I got it right. I wanted to make sure that the PTSD was right. I wanted to make sure that the reactions from the, uh, the friends and family were right, you know? So it was just kind of one of those things. And it was really funny because I got a lot of people that were like, wait a minute, you may, you're an indie filmmaker and you make a drama. Well, yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what they did back in the day in the 90s that's what they were doing is making dramas because those were what got into film festivals horror films don't go into film festivals unless a horror film festival right right so i just it it was just kind of one of those things that that i just you know it was a subject i wanted to after doing the short film i just thought god you know being able to expand this thing and really show because in the short film we just start literally what was in the short film was most of the ending of, uh, 
of the uh, the other film. You know, we show a couple of things at the beginning of the short film, but then the majority of the the film is kind of what happened at the end. Um, you gotta you gotta get to that. You know, like well, short... and that's why and that's why with the yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and I just wanted to really expand the story and really give it a lot of exposition and show this girl's existence before all that happened, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it's a slow burner and it takes a little time to get there, but you know, see, okay. You, you have a different definition of slow burn than I do because, uh, because there are slow burn horror films that I absolutely can't. I, I tried like the innkeepers, I love Ty West. I think he's the most be like I love X. I think it's great. Innkeepers is one of the slowest movies. I could just I got bored so quickly with that one. Um I need to rewatch it. Maybe I'll be maybe it'll be different. But this I didn't feel like this was boring. You like to me, slow burns are boring. You know, like there there's a lot of build up and a lot of it's kind of whatever. I, I think what you did was you've established a lot of character development way right. before the stuff happened. Um, my only, my only thing is like, generally speaking, and this is, you know, this is nothing, this isn't a criticism toward you or anything, but this uh, is generally what, tough, what man. I can take criticism. Believe me. <laughs> uh, what, what I was, what I normally notice is that the, uh, you know, that stuff would normally happen about 25 pages and the, by the, by the, uh, end of the first act, you know, 25 minutes in right, the, right. the, that was stuff would happen. And then you would get the rest of the story. But what I liked about yours was cause I was looking at the, I was looking at the clock and stuff. I do that now because I'm anal about, uh, movies these days. I'll look at the clock and I'll say, okay, so it's gone past 25 minutes. And, uh, so the first, you know, act is a little longer than whatever, but, uh, you've what you've done is you've established way more character development. You've introduced all the friends, uh, the the uh, the father, the uh, the dead the dead mother, all of that stuff, all in you know the span of I think it was like thirty something minutes before we get to the thirty seven minutes thirty seven minutes until till the uh, attack happens. Um, but then. That's when, like the the second act and the third act, you know, and everything, and it's it's a little longer than uh, some uh, indies. I think it's like an hour and thirty seven minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I and I cut twenty five minutes out of it <laughs> for real. Yeah, was it out of the beginning or out of the end? Uh throughout. Okay. Throughout, there was you know there was stuff that we shot that didn't that didn't make it into it. The, Do you have a DVD? Is that like deleted scenes on a DVD? No, I don't. It's uh, I because I edited when I was editing. Um, I just, um, there was some things about my program that were, that had been updated and were new. Oh, you so lost them. I, I don't No, I didn't lose it. It would just be something I have to dig back in. Oh, okay and find the original footage um, and put it back together. It was like, I deleted it out of the timeline and didn't save it in another sequence. So there's, you know, it's instead of having the two hour and fifth, the two hour and five minute version, um, 
it's uh I did I don't have the original that original cut saved so I'd have to go back in and dig out those other scenes but and some of the stuff too I I cut the scenes down um and uh there were some things where you look at and you go okay that needs to end sooner how can I get to that sooner without doing any reshoots um and so I was able to edit scenes down as well and just make them shorter um and so, yeah, it was, it was a tough one to, to go through because, you know, you love, and there's some stuff in there that is, had some really nice shots, but there was no substance. So right. it was kind of, it was kind of pointless. So it doesn't matter. And I learned that from George Lucas a long time ago. It doesn't matter how pretty your set is. You don't need to show everybody your set in the movie. It's like, it exists. There you go. Get out of it. And, and so I don't know. Um, he likes to put things back into his movies and stuff that weren't well, originally that was there. Af- yeah, that was after he did the first thing, and yeah, I'd rather not. I'd rather not go there. George That's Lucas. A, well, I mean, he's. I was talking to somebody the other day who uh, met George Lucas and stuff, and and everything back back in the day. But I was like, he's a billionaire now. He doesn't give a crap about anything like literally like he's just sitting on his ranch doing nothing you know for the rest of his life i mean how how awesome is that you know good for him um now he's not messing with things but i want disney to start doing the stuff that he wouldn't do you know i'm guessing there's probably contract stuff with that anyway that's yeah don't get me started on disney (laughs) i I don't even want to have that conversation we'll never go to bed Oh Lord. Um I I, I absolutely love uh chatting with you about this stuff. Um, you know, silence, I think once again, I think I'm glad that people are watching it on Tubi and that that you you say yeah. it's doing really well, which is great. Um, I hope more and more people check it out. I think it's a as I said, very powerful, very moving, and very you should far. also check out if you have a second watch you like, like to draw as well. Is that on, on Tubi as well? Yeah, that's on Tubi. If you just type my name in, Todd Braley, all of my movies will come up nice. side by side. So I have, what do I have on there? Misfit, You Like to Draw, Silence, and my Jaws documentary about The fin- Fanatics? Movie. Yep, the Jaws oh, Fanatics. That's so. awesome. So, you, well, see, there you go. It goes back to you being a Jaws fan, you know, yep. from the beginning yep. and everything. I think that's amazing. Yep. Um, but yeah, you were able to go out and and make these movies that are very powerful and very, um, you know, something that a lot of people, um, I, I guess they're afraid to do, you know, sort of thing like this. And, and also it, it's coming from, and this sounds terrible, but it's coming from like a, a male director, you know, and everything. Right. And usually female directors are supposed to make those kind of movies. That's that's the sad thing of what people are saying these days and stuff. Are you right. getting any black backlash for that and all? I, I don't I don't even listen to it. Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, it, it's uh, I have another short film that I did um, right after I did Silence. It was called uh, Me a Rapist. And uh, it's it that came from uh, I took psychology classes when I was in college and uh, we had criminal psychology classes and we used to watch um, psych evaluation videos of, uh, you know, different, different criminal uh, 
you know, serial rapists and things like that. And one of the videos we watched was of a serial rapist, which most serial rapists don't have a conscience at, at all. They're not, they, they never feel bad about what they did. But uh, one of the ones we watched had this guy that actually had remorse for what he had done. And it was one of those things I that, you know, and when you listen to him talk about his past and his family, I thought, wow, that'd be a, that'd be a crazy movie. And I actually would write in between taking notes for class. I was handwriting a script um, about this guy and was thinking about making a movie. Now that was back in 1985 that I, that I was writing this. And um, so I jumped forward to, uh, to 2010. And after I did silence, I did this movie called me a rapist. Um, It went from being a uh, feature length and I brought it down to a short. It was funny because the script is only, nine pages but the movie is 32 minutes long <laughs> and um, how did that happen you know it was because of the way i cut it together it was the way i edited the movie and that that the dialogue wasn't like just spewed out you know i literally you know i had one full page of, of dialogue but drug it out for seven minutes you know the whole beginning of the movie is um it takes almost six minutes before we get to any dialogue um Hmm. so it's uh but but anyway so this is it's another one of those character studies about somebody and and uh i forgot where i was going with this (laughs) i do that sometimes i'm 58 man sometimes my brain goes south but but the 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 whole idea of of the film oh i remember what it was because they were uh, you were asking me if i got flack for it so when i showed that movie but i showed the short version of silence together and um i had a i had a small screening for it publicly uh downtown grand junction here and uh some people came in and they were watching it and then we did a q and a afterwards and one of the, there was this group of women that had come in and one of them was like so what is your fascination with rape and i and i looked at her i go what do you mean she goes well we out of the three movies we watched cuz the other one was high hopes and she goes but out of the three movies out of all three of these movies there's rape in every one of these movies so what is your what is your uh fascination with rape do you like to uh are you looking to degrade women? And I looked at her and I go, I didn't even think that uh, that these all coincided. None of them coincided with each other. Um, I tagged silence and me a rapist together as because I took the character, I took the Caitlin character from that original version of silence and stuck her in the end of this Mia rapist movie i said but i i i have nothing no fascination with rape it just so happens that i made these movies it has this in it they just happen to coincide with each other and that answer wasn't good enough and uh i you know i just to me it's i i don't give a shit about the status quo i don't care about what the thing is of the day 
Um, again, I'm 58 years old. I don't have time for your fucking drama. I, I got right. the only drama I want is in front of the camera. I don't want the drama behind the camera. I just put it in front of the camera so I can shoot it. And, um, that's, that's, that's all I care about. I just, I, I, I make, if, if there's blowback over it, you know, okay, that's, that's, that's a you problem. That's not a me problem. <laughs> so I just, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not looking to, to, uh, have everybody love me. You know, if, if we got a hundred people out of 500 that like the movie, then I did my job, you know, exactly. Um, so. on a lighter note, cause that is, you know, not yeah. as light, but, uh, on a lighter note, Tasha, um, she her character sounds a little bit more ghetto, you know, kind of character or whatever. Was that your decision when you were creating the oh, character yeah. or was that hers? Yeah. yeah, I created that. I did that in the script. I did that in the script. The girl who I, plays Tasha is wonderful. I loved her. I thought she was hilarious yeah. at times. Emily, like, Emily is amazing. Emily, I, it's I'm really sad that she... Uh, she decided after uh, we did the, we had a TV series that we were trying to shoot and we got a couple episodes into it. And because of a, because of the writer um, was just not, it was just, it fell apart. Everything fell apart, but Emily was part of that. And after that, cause she had put a lot of energy into that. And, um, uh, and the guy that that created it, the whole thing just kind of fell apart because of his his uh, lack of team spirit. Um, and- yeah, I mean, when you work, when you, even as a writer, when you're working on a film or a television show, it's a collaboration. It's not uh, one that. person. He forgot that part. Yeah, but it happens. So, I, I know of a lot of people. Uh, like I know of one show, I won't say what it was, but one show fell apart in real, like a real television show fell apart at the second season because the producers wanted to go a different way and the writer right. didn't. So they, he said, you can't have my, you know, my project and do anything with it. So he screwed over everybody who was, he had a job and everybody who was whatever, just because right. he didn't want to play with the, the collaborators. I've always told people, um, and people are always shocked when I tell them this. I'm very great at collaborating. If somebody if, if somebody wants me to change scripts, stuff on my scripts or whatever, as long as it's not like drastically Maybe. change, you know, I'm down with like, you know, like you want to make a the, the male lead, a female lead. I'm fine with that. Just as long as it makes sense for the for the oh. movie. And that's what it should be. It it always should be a collaboration. Um, I always tell the tell the actors I work with, it's like I don't care if you stray from the script. Say like during a scene, if we're shooting something and they stray from the script, I said just make sure you bring it back around so the next so the next uh, the next actor who has the next line can deliver his line, and you're not changing, you know, what's already been done or what's coming. Um, and that should be good, but you know, it's, it, and that's, that's what, uh, what, what is, what is beautiful about being able to do this. You have to be, you can't be married to the script all the time. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's just not something I think, 
and you know as much i i love taylor sheridan's i love i love yellowstone um i've watched that fucking series three times now um and it's amazing the writing is amazing but he's also really strict about sticking to the script um but to me i feel like the script should be the platform on which everything that's going to happen afterwards should be should be based on and if you're going you got to have a little bit you got to give give back to the actors because i mean you got to have respect for the actors because they are they are the people that are putting their heart and soul out on a fucking plate for the whole world to look at and to not give them the ability to have a say in their in their character and even in the dialogue you know when they say you know what i don't i don't necessarily think tasha would say it that way can i do it can i say it like this or or they're asking how how like emily every once in a while would just say hey now with her with tasha with this you know did you want her to say it like this or because i was thinking about saying it like this i said okay well um that works but let's do this uh you say it this way we'll do we'll do like three takes i said how about you do it this your way we'll do it my way and then and then we'll uh we'll do a third take and then see what happens right and 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 let your and let your mind go so it was you know it was like just and, and with emily a lot of it was just little things you know little um like when they were arguing out in the street before they went in the house to uh, when they find Caitlin after she's been uh, assaulted Um, when they're out there, I had this big old uh, thing written uh, for her to, to talk and it was totally not, you know, I thought as I was typing it, I, I heard Tasha saying it. But afterwards, it was like, she was like, you know, I think I would just skip all of this and just go from here to here. And I was like, you know what? You're right. The rest of that shit is irrelevant. Let's just let's just do it that way. So she did that. And then when they walked away, because we did that in three takes, because I got three different angles on that. And so on the third take, when they're walking away, she uh when she said when uh oh i can't believe my brain is like gone south her best friend says all right fine let's just go in and let's go get her and go and they turn around and start walking away emily would always throw in these little things as they're walking away she goes ah you know just just these little little things that she would do every so often before we got to the to the hardcore stuff that would make her um that would just add to her character yeah it was just something like yeah i know what you're talking about like she would just do something to like uh or or kind of brings uh, attention to her a little bit which is is good because you know uh it made her character a little bit more fun and and light and then 
later she is uh, it gets you know when it gets really dark and kind of twisted and and all that stuff is happening um she's very good at, at being very dramatic and uh so it's, it's a sad thing to hear that she's she's no longer doing it hopefully she, you know what i always i always say this is like people say oh i i want to be done with this or i'm i'm done i always say right. yet you know right for for now right. but Like you never know, because like a couple of years, she might have the acting bug again or something, or you might present something to her that she goes, well, she "I'll have to do." What? She wasn't even an actress. Oh wow! Buddy, she, she was somebody. I had somebody else for that part. I I had an actress for that part, and they uh, they bailed out, and I hit her up. It was still I still had quite a bit of time. It wasn't like she came in a week before, but. Um, I asked her about doing the doing that. I said, "Do me a favor." I said, "Just read the script and let, let me know if uh, if if you like that, if you like this part." I know you haven't acted before, but I. How but did you I, meet her? Um, God, that's a good question. It's been it's been a while. Um, I met her through another friend of mine, who said, um that she was looking to do some acting but hadn't done any before right okay so if that if i remember correctly I, there, there's i know people like that actually right now that like people have said hey you know this person's a friend of mine and they want to do acting and right, uh right. usually I'm put them in like willing. small roles or something yeah, like i'm that. always willing to give somebody a, an opportunity you know because right. i mean a lot of people have gotten the fucking bug dude i mean you know what it's like you get the you get the film bug and you get the acting bug or you get the the directing bug and so to me it's just it's kind of one of those things that um that if you get bit you better be ready because because <laughs> the shit go roll <laughs> once you once you get bit by the film bug so yep yeah she did she did really well she did really well and then um she almost wound up playing the role of uh ellen in you like to draw um but then at the last minute she kind of was and not again not the last minute before we started shooting but she kind of was like eh, i don't know if i'm you know i i just i'm really busy with this other stuff that i'm doing she had gotten a new job and she was she was staying she was pretty busy so she kind of bailed out and, and that was that was kind of it i didn't uh i didn't hear i didn't hear from her again um but uh you know my wife keeps tabs on everybody she's a facebook stalker so she uh she good. Keeps tabs that's but, good uh you know you got somebody looking out for you making sure that you know to bring them back yeah you know? So, um so yeah uh what about elizabeth has she been doing much after well, this? I, haven't, I haven't heard anything from elizabeth um the last i saw her was in 2019 she was just getting ready to go move to new york and uh that was it she came to my house to tell me thank you and everything i said well i said when you accept your oscar speech just make sure that you put my name in there somewhere and then that was it I mean, she kind of disappeared off of Facebook. Um, and, uh, I don't know. She just, I, I, I don't know what she's doing now. I don't have any, I don't have any idea. Um, 
So I wish I wish I could say what she's doing, but I, I don't have a clue. I'm sure she's working on something, you know, and I hope so because she was yeah. really good in this. And I well, mean, was, she played a 20. What, what did I say? She was 22 or 23 year old. She was only 18 when she did that. I thought she was younger. You know, yeah. she definitely looked younger. And so I was surprised because I wasn't sure the age exactly when I when I first Everybody, watched it. Well, it was kind of cool because before we shot that movie, um, I had a, I had put the cast together about three months before we started shooting. And it was pretty cool because all of the girls, after the first time they got together, they literally then after that, they hung out all the time. And so by the time we got to shoot the movie, they were like they had been friends forever which made it made their their relationship on screen work even better um so that's what was kind of cool that they were um that that after they got together and every once in a while they'd all that i'd get facebook i'd get pictures in my facebook messenger <laughs> of them and it's like you know they're all sitting on the couch at somebody's somebody's house having a sleepover and hanging out or they're doing you know doing uh a couple weeks beforehand um brie frank had her hair dyed red um that that violet red that mm -hmm. it is in the movie and um um so yeah the whole jenna the jenna character was being uh created via these girls getting together or not created but they were doing you know they did their hair because they were all doing their own makeup and everything so that's wonderful yeah it was, yeah, it was cool it was cool i, I so, love that like when when they all get together and they're 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 gung-ho for it you know yeah. Um, yeah and everybody was i mean that and the beauty of that movie was you know it's 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 done pretty good pretty well on streaming channels and you know i it, it only cost me 800 bucks to make so um, hey, you made your money back i'm sure <laughs> you know tenfold I yeah have. there you go uh, so it, wonderful you're uh you're a uh, gross it was a, a worldwide gross you know yeah. <laughs> like yep. there yep. you go um so what's your next project uh, right now we, I have a couple, um, I have one that's in post-production and I'm working on the sound that's called the chip. It's about four, um, four spoiled rich kids who buy into a poker game and the poker game is, is about, uh, whether or not you're going to survive the, the end of the poker game. And so, uh, um, that's so more horror kind of. Well, not really. It's it's kind of a dramatic thriller, I guess. Okay. Um, so that uh, that's uh, that's going to be um, that's going to be ready to go here in about a month and a half, and then uh, we're working on Shadows of the Night, which is which is basically about something that happened to me when I was a kid. Um, I watched The Exorcist on CBS when it was on television for the first time. And just scared the absolute living dog shit out of me. And, and it, uh, and, but then after I watched it, um, for a week after I watched it, 
I had all of these weird things that were happening at my house, like um, shadows that would come around the corner and then there was nobody there. Um, I had a conversation with my grandmother uh, and she wasn't in the room, but I didn't, but I thought she was. Um, Wait, and, and oh, wow. And she wasn't dead or anything, right? She just no, wasn't. No, my, my grandmother was actually visiting at that point, but so I it thought, seemed like it was real. It seemed like it was real, like she was in the room, but you know, it was like I was because she used to, um, the, the house that we used to have had the, the upstairs had this bedroom that, that went the abs with the length of the house. It was a two story house, but the, the bedroom went the length of the house. So it was a really long bedroom. And sometimes when my grandmother would come to stay, my dad would set up a bed. He'd take my brothers and I bed, put them together at one end of the room. And then my grandmother could have the other end of the room. And, um, so it was literally like two bedrooms and she, uh, but she, she had been getting, obviously she's getting at that point, she was getting older and she couldn't always climb those stairs. So my dad would set something up for her downstairs. And I thought that she had come upstairs. And so I'm having this, you know, three or four minute conversation with her and she's not in the room. I found out because I turned over and I looked and the bed was still made and everything. It, it was like, Oh shit. Um, my brother and I went to school one day, came home and our room looked like a fucking tornado went through it. Um, and, uh, you know, there were voices that I, that, that I would hear, um, you know, during the day in my room. So what I decided That's... to do was, yeah, it was creepy as creepy yeah, as scary. So what I did was I took that thought, I took that that whole week or weeks worth of things that happened, and kind of brought it into today. And basically, what I did with Shadows of the Night was um, I took a young girl who wanted to be a computer hacker and or wants to be a computer hacker. And basically, what she does is she digs into the dark web and she comes across this video. I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but um, it's on our Indiegogo page. And if uh, in the trailer, basically what we show is she goes on to the dark web and finds this exorcism video because obviously I can't use the exorcist. So I decided, well, let me see. She can go into the dark web and she can see an exorcism video. And then basically what happens is when she gets out of there, she brings something back to that's... to our world and then it then that's the whole movie of this this spirit or this demon or this something that is haunting her and is fucking with her for this uh during the film and and trying to get people to uh believe her trying to get the catholic church to believe her trying to get you know it it Somebody would somebody would probably say, well, you kind of took something from the exorcist. Well, it's got a little dribbling of exorcist in it because ex the exorcist as a whole, you know, when, if you're my age and, and you saw that thing before we got all of the stuff that we have now, that was a scary ass fucking movie. That movie mm -hmm. still is scary to when me. When I was a kid, uh, the Ouija board scene freaked me out. And I don't yeah. like, and that's, that's not even like looking back now. I'm yeah. like not scared of it or anything. And yeah. like, you that know, wasn't me. that was Captain Howdy, you know, yeah. 
and it was and, a terrifying movie I'll, I'll admit and especially for kids you know right. and everything watching it which i think horror films are sort of this thing like a rite of passage for kids to sort of see you know sort of see things you know or whatever and get kind of that i, I guess just to, you know past time whatever you know like that's that's part of their rite yeah. of passage uh just, but what good oh no i was just gonna say that that with this i wanted because there haven't there aren't a lot of scary movies anymore Mm-mm. you know um you know james wan kind of brought back with the conjuring and annabelle and and those and i know some people don't like them i do i think they're i think they're they're i love them frightening and so I just kind of thought, you know, we haven't had a good, a uh, a uh, 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 something that has kind of melded, you know, the the process of the Exorcist and 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 you know the technology that's out there today, and and something and stuff with with young young kids preteens, um. You know that's that's even more scary. You know that was that was something that really made The Exorcist scary is the fact that this thing took over a twelve year old girl's body. So I kind of thought, you know, not that the not not that the the main character gets possessed, but is being fucked with again by something from that she that she brought back into our world from the dark web. So it's it's. Uh, it's going to be one of those movies that is going to is going to be I I want to scare people. I don't you can gross you can gross anybody out super easy. I really want people to be scared. I want people to be like grabbing onto the other person, you know, and it, it's it's like one of the scenes from Misfit. I remember showing that when we did our premiere for that. It was just hilarious because there was some of the stuff like when they um did you watch Misfit? I did not, unfortunately. There's there's, that's okay. There's a scene in there where it's it's almost kind of a pseudo torture scene where the 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 main character is being taught by a serial killer how to torment their victims, and she takes this thing from this little surgery kit that's almost looks like a really thin thin ice pick, and then slides it into in between the toenail puts it in toenail but i don't show it right that that was one of the things you see it you see it go down and then all of a sudden you see the reaction from the the woman that she's doing it to and i just remember seeing the audience everybody is like "Oh, oh 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 and then they're all just like oh 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 you know, and, and it's those kind of reactions that I love. And that's, that was something with the exorcist, you know, when I got to watch it with, with a group of people, everybody was, there was those kind of reactions and, and stuff that really is scary that people are grabbing onto each other. And I really wanted to do something like that. So with this movie, that's what I've really focused on in putting the script together is making sure that the stuff that is happening is is there's this build up to what's going to happen and and it's like uh, uh, it's got that tension right you know, and you're you're just waiting for something to happen and and uh and the cast is is 
amazing. I got Brie Frank again, who nice. Uh, who, Jenna Jenna. And Silent. She's uh, she's going to be in it. Um, I've got Deborah Lamb on board. Oh, Deborah, Deborah. She yeah. was in Misfit too, wasn't she? Uh, actually, she was supposed to be in Misfit too, but um, we actually kind of pushed that off to the side a while. Oh, I, I, okay. So she was supposed to be in Misfit too. I thought she was Misfit one. No, but no, I guess no. Gonna, no, she was going to be in the second one. Um, but uh, she actually. I gave uh, I gave her the role of Nancy um, in uh, You Like to Draw, which stars Brie Frank and Deborah Lamb, uh, Rose Bonino and um, Mariah Ellen Griffith. Um, and uh, Deborah Lamb just was amazing in that movie. In fact, we had uh, we had somebody the other day post something about it. Um, that that it was just an amazing, heartwarming film. It's a family film, which, again, that doesn't come out of the indie, out of the indie crowd. But it was um, Deborah just did an amazing job in that. So she's coming back to this one. She gets to play the grandmother of uh, of Jamie, who was played by Cheyenne Holding. This is going to be her first movie. And uh, she's actually the one that's on the poster right here in the middle. Nice. And Peter uh, Goldthwaite is playing um, one of the uh, priests. And uh, we've got Kazuo Salazar, who's playing Father Ryan. Um, Alexander, I got so many of these, like, really hard to pronounce last names <laughs> in this thing. Um, Alexandria Allerheiligen is going Jeez. to play her mother. Um, and then, uh, I've got Michael, uh, Michael Oliver Harris, who's going to play the play Jamie's father. Um, and then, uh, I've got, uh, uh, a handful of, of other people that are going to be a part of it. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a really scary movie. It's kind of nice because I've, I've been passing the script around as I'm making changes and stuff to it, to people and, and, and people have come back to me and it's like dude this fucking thing is going to be scary and i was like yes okay good you know because i'd rather i'd rather do my um my uh, uh what do they call it uh not the preview crowd what do they what do they call that when they screening the, the, yeah well not the screenings but when they send it out to do the like uh when everybody fills out their cards and says oh that's a test like, screening the test screening right yep couldn't find my words <laughs> um but uh so i do my test screening on the script beforehand so right pass, that, that makes uh, sense so i uh i i get it around to uh, i have a handful of people that that i can trust with it that uh so they come back and they're like this is good. We, so they don't tarantino it though right go no. back to tarantino so no. take it and, and put it out yeah. there for everybody to see right right so so anyway it's it's gonna be scary we're gonna we're actually gonna go to westland michigan to shoot oh wow gonna, yeah we're gonna rent airbnbs well the biggest thing about it is um we have access to this place called the eloise asylum and it was a it was a real asylum many many years ago and somebody bought it a few years ago and fixed it up and now they have like paranormal uh uh paranormal tours they have uh escape rooms which are f 
fucking amazing. I've seen the videos for him. Um, so anybody that lives in Michigan, go to Westland, go to Eloise Asylum. That place is off the chain. And then uh, then they also do a thing at Halloween where they, you know, have the walkthroughs and the people that scare the shit out of you going through. Um, but we're going to be shooting there as well. So we've actually uh, spoken with the owner and uh, he's given us um, we get to go in there for four days and have full full run of this place and the interior of it is just amazing so the end of the movie the last the 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 last half or or not the last half but the last third of the movie the third act is going to take place in this asylum so we need awesome yeah so we need people out there if if uh you're watching this and you want to help us out with our indiegogo you know go check it out we're we got it the indiegogo is going to be going until the end of march nice Uh, so it's it's going to be out there for a little while, but we got a lot of great perks, and we got some got some uh, surprise perks that we're going to throw out there here in the next. I'll drop the uh, link to the Indiegogo down in the bottom. That's uh, awesome, section. man. I appreciate so it. yeah, yeah. yeah um, this this movie just I I I kind of got to the point, and and again because we were talking about the crowdfunding earlier. Yeah, we don't like it, but it's a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought with this that I just don't. I don't want to ask anybody to work for free anymore. I just, I can't do that. Um, when we did, you like to draw, uh, we did silence. Nobody got paid, you know, it was 800 bucks. Uh, we spent on the food and props and stuff like that. And then, um, when I did, you like to draw, I spent $16,000 of my own money to make that movie. And, uh, you know, we're on our way to making that back. But I just, you know, when we did that, I thought, okay, I'm not going to ask anybody to work for free anymore after this. Um, so that's why. No, it's it's just I'm 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 kind of done with that kind of. I'm I don't want to call it that kind of filmmaking, but it's it's just you know you don't want to you don't want to just keep going. Hey, can you do another one? Can you work for me for two weeks, for yeah. free, please? You know, it, it gets to a point where you're gonna eventually get people who are gonna say, "No, I don't think I can work with you." Because, exactly. exactly. You know, and stuff. Anyway, so you might as well. Um. By the way, I want to mention because you said this is like one of the scariest films, uh, that you know that you probably worked on, you know, wrote and everything. But one of the scariest films I've seen lately, the last like scary film I've seen was like the Babadook. And what <laughs> you know what? Love yeah. that movie. Love that movie. And what I what I A, I watched it by myself in the oh. dark, you know, when uh all alone, you know, right? And it freaked me the fuck out. I went yep. out to let my dog out. And I went outside, and as I went outside, I heard Baba Duke, Duke, Duke yeah. in my head. And yep. so it's a movie that got into my head and kind of freaked me out, you know, of like, okay. And there's not a lot of movies that do that these days, you know. Right. And I think that is what what Hollywood and uh, horror films t- typically are missing, you know. Like, I, I love slashers. Like, I love my screams. I love my Friday Thirteenth. I love those things because right. you know because to me that's just a part of the subgenre. But I really love a good scary 
Like, you know, Insidious was like that originally. Um, Going back to James Wan, the first Insidious, I actually got scared more of that. And that was PG-13, more with that than The Conjuring. Yeah. You know, Conjuring didn't really scare me as much, but was rated R, you know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So doing that for horror film lovers we're going to doing a james wanathon so we're watching all the james Wan things in chronological order so nice. all the conjuring movies and all the insidious movies were on to insidious now and it's they're awesome they're just so good yeah. like well, very well done I, a lot of people didn't like like even the second or the third one but i i i loved all four of them you know and mm-hmm. i'm actually eagerly awaiting the fifth one you know it's coming out uh, this year baby yep i'm i'm looking forward to that and those and that's the beauty of those because they're not gory <clears throat> excuse me they're not gory but they're just they you're just like like yeah when exactly you're, you're, you're freaked out you know and that's and that's what we're trying to do with shadows of the night is is you know do that get that kind of scare going again you know that it's that we can show that the indie world is not, not just about blood and guts um and and not that that's a bad thing but it's just it's oversaturated with the gory films and i just thought you know it, it'd be refreshing to see something that wasn't gory that was really just frightening and that's what we're going for on this so and it was kind of funny. Somebody asked me the other day, um, you know, Shadows of the Night, Where? how'd you come up with that name? I actually, after I thought about doing the movie, I was uh, I was listening to Ronnie James Dio and uh, I had the Holy Diver album on and uh, Rainbow in the Dark was playing and there's a line in there, lost my hold to the shadows of the night. And I went, oh, there you go. That's the name of my movie. That's the name of my movie. So thank you, Ronnie James Dio up in heaven. Appreciate <laughs> it. He, he was he was doing that on purpose. He was yeah, he that's was, I'm sure it was. He was your I'm guiding sure. uh, guiding angel, you know. Um, <laughs> so all right, well, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. I mean, this is a little longer than probably you were expecting to go for thank and you, everything. Good. But I really appreciate it. And uh once again, I'll put the Indiegogo link. Uh, how can people reach you and contact you? And um, the easiest way to find me is just uh, send me a message if you want to contact me for any reason. Um, you know, except to be an asshole, uh, you can you can send me a message on Facebook. I'm uh, just uh, Todd E. Braley or Todd Ernest Braley on uh, Facebook on Instagram. Uh, I actually have four Instagram accounts. I have one that is just Todd Braley. I have one that is you like to draw movie. Um, and, and I have a shadows of the night horror film, I think is what I had to put in there. And then I have uh, my podcast. We're not doing right now, but uh, it's the straight shooters. You can contact me, send me messages through there. Um, I do have a Twitter, but I never use it. So it's, I've been using Twitter a lot more lately, and uh, I, I think it's because I have been using Instagram less um, because I just I don't feel like I have the interactions on Instagram that I do on Twitter, weirdly enough. Like I'll post yeah. the same thing on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and I'll get maybe two or three on Instagram, but then I'll get like maybe 10 on 
uh, Twitter. Then I'll get like 60 on or more on Facebook. Um, yeah. So yeah. a lot of people say like Facebook is dying or whatever. I think Facebook had some kind of resurgence because it's doing very well for me, honestly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I just, uh, I just to go with, um, I've been doing a lot of, uh, advertising on facebook using their ads not the boost post but actual ads on there and uh, i've seen a lot of good um response thank you shout out to jason horton out there for all of the stuff that he <laughs> jason's does. been on the show you know yeah, yeah. Jason's, jason's a great I, guy jason's a great guy and i appreciate everything that he does and all the information he gives us to to help us out to be able to make indie films that make movie or that make money so well here's my thing with jason that i think is the is the thing that needs to happen more um he's kind of the connector for everybody you know he's there sort of friends with everybody you know in yeah. the industry and everything like no matter what he's very friendly he, with he everybody which more. what he leaves his ego at the door. Yeah. And that, so and that's what's cool is because then he's he doesn't uh he he's trying to help everybody instead of being the guy that well fuck that. I'm not gonna give everybody the information, then everybody else would be able to do it. Well welcome to the real world, man, because you know, we're supposed to prop each other up and help each other out. We're not supposed to, you know, sabotage and and do all this, you know, nonsense because it's a because somebody decided it was a competition so you know i i agree with you fully jason is an awesome dude and he's he's the guy he's he's that guy exactly who you say he is so yeah i totally agree with that yeah so i i you know and i would say that to him and he'll just be like thank you but he'll just be very humble about it because i don't think yeah. he even realizes himself yeah. and, he's very, and that's the that's the thing that's cool about him is he is so humble and that uh, that makes that makes it even more attractive to be able to um, to uh, go to his stuff is that he that he does and that he's truthful about stuff. He'll say this is what works for me. Now, this may not work. That may not work for it. This may or may not work for you. But, you know, if it does, cool, here's what you can do. Here's how to do it. And that's you know, we need that. You know, mm -hmm. because we're not all we're we're not all. I'm not going to say we're not all technical savvy, but I don't. You know, because I don't just make movies. I mean, I have I have a video production company. I have six clients that I work for on a regular basis, and right now they are all slamming. I mean, I am I am I've got I've got no time right now to um to to put a lot of energy into the film making part of what I've got going on with shadows of the night at this particular moment, like this week. So it's nice that somebody else is, is out there doing, doing the stuff and then passing that information along. Cause otherwise, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the time to be able to sit, you know, I have the time to watch, you know, a 10 minute video from Jason, but I don't have, you know, the four or five hours to sit and try and figure this shit out. So it's nice that he's, he's out there doing what he does and then passing his information along to the rest of us who may not have the kind of time to be able to spend 
to get all that stuff figured out. And so, you know, it's thank you, Jason Horton for, for doing that, you know, and then uh, my buddy, Atai Guberman also does a lot of promotional stuff for us. And he's one of the co-producers on shadows of the night. So he, he's been throwing things out for us. And he's also the guy I do my podcast with the straight shooters. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, we just, we, uh, I'm going to say it right now, guys, everybody's got to work together and stop working against each other because exactly. Hollywood does enough of that shit and we don't need it. We don't need it in our community. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to go Hollywood, you know, go Hollywood, you know, um, but, uh, you know, don't bring that shit here. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. So thank you so much, man. And everybody else check out shadows of the night uh on indiegogo also check out his films on tubi just look up todd braley on tubi and you can see all four or five of the movies there's four on there right now and hopefully very soon a psychotic breakdown anthology is going to be on there Um, i love anthology movies you know you know what i think you'll really like uh psychotic breakdown in fact you know what i'm gonna do jonathan i'm gonna send you a private link so you don't have to wait (laughs) I will. All right, I'll, I'll definitely check it out then. Um, yeah, I think you'll like it. I think you'll enjoy. And maybe it. I'll review it sometime. You yeah. know, if you're okay awesome. with that. Um, absolutely, absolutely. That's that's the last thing I'm going to ask you. Reviews yes. and stuff. You know, uh, you do podcasts, but I don't think you do like review podcasts where you review no. films, right, mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, it, everybody has their own opinion, right? You know, yep. period. And my opinion may be different from your opinion. Um, that's why I love Siskel and Ebert because they both usually did not agree. And so sometimes yeah. it'll be like more like, oh, that or more like the other one. We always say yep. at the end of our stuff, go watch the movie anyway. Like even if we think it's the worst movie of all time, make up your own mind. You know, exactly. it may, may exactly. be you may like it. But if what we tell you turns you off from the movie, that's not our fault. <laughs> You know, like yeah, that's just yeah, because yeah. the movie, you know, obviously did not appeal to your senses. Um, and so my my question about that is that a, um, you know, the, the, seeing people's reviews of your films or whatever. I don't know if you read them or not or if you even watch that. reviews of your of, of what people think. But do you do you ever like, you know, kind of get mad about it or do you just like because it just well, washed off your here's- Here's the thing. I've said this before. Um, if you just say it sucks, that's not a review. Right. That is somebody who's obviously got some anger issues and, and needs a little assistance in their existence. Um, if there's something I, I never look at reviews or bad reviews as something bad, because if you can look at it and go okay i can see where they mean i i understand what they think about that because there are every every movie that i've got there's something about it that i go god i wish i would have done that differently mm-hmm. i wish i would have done one more take so it's not like we're not already beating ourselves up <laughs> um so you know i think that that people just need to remember we're already beating ourselves up for things that we did wrong um in our pro in our in our films but i also look at it as okay so that's what i did wrong in this and i understand what they're talking about 
So now here's what's got to happen. Make sure that you don't do it in the next movie. Right. And that's that's how I look at it, because I can take constructive criticism all day long. But somebody just saying flat out that it sucks without having a reason, then that's, you know, and it's, I, I sweep I'll, that under the rug and I don't really care about it. It's also opinion. It's your opinion. It's my opinion. Yeah. You know, and that's. And, and that's, I didn't. I didn't graduate from like journalism school or anything. You know, mm-hmm. like, and even if I did, why? Why does that make me, you know, the person to tell everybody whatever? You know, like that's just, right. you know. Right. So I think the matter it should be where a filmmaker um, is uh, just accepts the criticism or doesn't. You know, they either, well, you know, listen to it and and let it sink in. Or they don't read anything, but understand that don't get mad when other people are saying the same exact thing to you because you haven't exactly. changed, because you haven't listened to anybody give you the constructive yeah, I know criticism. I, I know a handful of guys like that. They 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 make the same mistakes in their movies every single time, but yet you know I think we know the same that, people. Yeah, I think we do. Um, but they made this, they make the same mistakes and then get mad when somebody, um, criticizes them, but then you don't do anything to fix it. You know, that's, it, it, it's to me, to me, it's, it, it's, you gotta, if you're going to do this, you gotta do it. You gotta get better every time you do it. You know, I you agree. Gotta, gotta move the camera. You gotta put, you, you know, sometimes you gotta put that fucking camera on a dolly sometimes you got to put it on a camera crane sometimes you got to you got to handhold that you got to but you got to know when to do those things you know you gotta not make things every- interesting not exactly you know exactly. Like, you can't you know? bore the audience because that is the biggest sin in all of you know uh, all of movie making is boredom yeah. you know if i'm bored then i don't want to why, why do i want to waste my time with this movie like why do yeah. i care and exactly people got to realize because it's not about them. You know, it's not about the filmmaker. Sure. Right. Sure. If it were, if it were about the filmmaker, then you wouldn't put it out to the public. Like if right. it were all about the filmmaker, then they would just show it to their friends and family. And then it wouldn't matter, you know, what the right. public thinks. But once you put it out on Tubi or put it out in to the YouTube or wherever right. you want to put it, um, you're, you said one other site, you know, if you want to put it those places, you know, understand that that means that you're going to be there. There are going to be people who like it. There are going to be right. people who hate it, or there yep. are going to be people who hate you because you're doing what they. So they get nasty, and if they don't just say it sucks, they'll they'll go into like twelve pages on Letterbox about how bad they hate the director you know, or whatever, but it has nothing to do with the film, you know, it has nothing to do with that. You know, I've also, I've had to deal with that whole jealousy thing. And, and I, I, there was a story I started to tell earlier, but it's, it would take too long and I don't want to drag this out for you (laughs) any longer, but it's just kind of one of those things that, that, that with the, 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 the people that just don't like you because you're doing what they're not, um, they just, they just don't matter. You know, they, you know, they, and instead of if, if 
if half of these people would focus their fucking energy on putting together and making better movies instead of worrying about what the hell everybody else is doing, we might have some better movies. Yeah. No, but, I totally agree. But, you know, some of them out there just want to focus on on uh, being assholes. And and that's... <laughs> it's so that's, true. It's like sad, yeah. but it's... it's And then people get mad at me about being negative, but sometimes negativity is, is constructive and is, is good because... Because we can't be happy all the time about everything. We can't. No. We can't reward Great. bad behavior and bad. Uh, and, and I say bad behavior as far as filmmaking goes. You okay. know, um, because that's the the problem. We're we're part of the problem, not the solution. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's the biggest point to me with that whole thing is why you know why be part. This this should be about solving problems i mean that's what we do as filmmakers anyway we're making these movies and as a director you're the problem solver you know you're the guy that's in there when something goes south that you're like okay fuck okay so i don't have that location now what am i gonna do uh okay i got an idea so you know if if everybody again just put that that energy into making better movies and and creating these these uh these relationships with other filmmakers instead of worrying about whether they're better than them or not uh, you know this this the indie industry would probably be a lot we'd get a lot further than you know because hollywood right now uh, my last thought hollywood right now is driving itself into the ground and not giving us you know they're just regurgitating shit that's already been done and um and well, you know not, why right i'm doing it well because nobody has any nobody has no any, no no it's it's not that ideas. people have millions of original ideas they just don't want to take a chance on it because well, they're afraid they're gonna lose money that's, yeah that's the age-old thing so it's all comes down to money because they're scared about losing money mm-hmm. you know? and so instead of taking those original ideas i don't know i feel like they don't the guys that have the original ideas are us um, I would agree and disagree. I, I think there are, I mean, because I hate to say it, like I'm, I'm a Marvel fan and I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm probably I, I the I'm worst, uh, what you, you hate Marvel, you know, I do now. I didn't, I didn't used to, but yeah, I, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten a little bit different, but, um, I, I will just say that I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, of Hollywood and I still, you know, I still want to eventually work for Hollywood. You know, I don't want to be an independent filmmaker for the rest of my life. Like that's, that's, you know, that's my thing, but I do, you know, I love independent filmmaking. I love making movies period when, whether I do it for however I do it. And, um, and the thing is Hollywood has some original people. They, they are working on it. They're doing stuff. The problem is the, the tent pole stuff. You know, the comic book movies right now are the big thing. Before it was, uh, I don't know. I don't, actually, I, I don't know before then because I guess in the 90s, things were a lot different, you know. Uh, well, but to- a, lot of the, a lot of the 90s was action films, and um, there were a lot of good uh, dramatic films that came out of the 90s. There's um, still a lot of great dramatic films that come out oh, of today, yeah, you know. They, 
there are a lot of good ones, but they're not ones that everybody knows about. You know, there's there's a great um, there's a couple of great films that I that I just absolutely I've watched multiple times. Uh, Four Good Days with uh, um, Miley Miles. My, I never can remember her damn name. The the dark haired girl from that '70s show. Oh, the, Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis, and uh, Glenn Close. Absolutely fucking amazing movie. Um, and then uh, another one with uh, I'm so bad with the names now. Uh, she was in the first Conjuring movie. She was the mother in the family of the first Conjuring movie. Um, oh, Rose Byrne. No, no, not the, no. The, 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 mother, the mother, the mother in yeah, the mother in uh the first Conjuring movie, who's the mom with the family. Um, I yeah, I I, I know. You know who I'm talking about? And you can't think of her name. There, there's the, but she's in this one called Paper Spiders. It's about mental illness. Amazing movie. Uh, five Good Days, or I'm sorry, uh, Five Feet Apart. Um. It was another one that's Lily just, Taylor, Lily Taylor, Lily Taylor. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's uh, Paper Spiders. That's an amazing movie. Um, Five Feet Apart is an awesome, you know, is an awesome. Uh, I, I don't want to call it a romantic dra- drama, but it's uh, it's there's so many good movies out there that have been done that just don't get the comeuppance they deserve you know they don't know not talked about enough and i i just feel they like kind of people... slip through and uh some of them end up in like the dollar tree uh yeah. bins yeah. and stuff and you sometimes you find them and you're like this is actually pretty decent why yeah. why yep. why is this like undiscovered um right you know right. but well, there's a um another one that i really really liked with paul rudd called fundamental the fundamentals of caring that was uh it was a netflix original movie absolutely amazing it's hilarious it's paul rudd plays a caregiver that is taking care of a kid with uh multiple scro- multiple sclerosis and um it, it's it, it's just an awesome movie it's a good heartfelt movie it's not a family film but it is <laughs> it's got its moments and it's you know was, when it's fun, when it's funny, it's fucking hilarious, and when it's sad, it'll rip your fucking heart out. And that's uh, so yeah, it's got Paul Rudd. I forget the the kid, the English kid's name, who's in it. But then um, Selena Gomez is in it too, playing. Oh, com- I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I saw that movie. Um, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, it's a Netflix original. The it's fundamentals of caring. Um, yes, the fundamentals of caring and stuff, and it's like. Uh, yeah, yeah I, he, uh, was it a, enrolls in a class about caregiving that changes his yep. perspective of life. But like, I remember that that was such an, sort of an odd movie a little bit. Like there was I like a little couple odd scenes, but yeah. aside from that, like quirky kind of yeah. odd. Um, it's... I also really liked him in ideal home. I don't know if you saw that, but, um, that, no. uh, starred him and Steve Coogan and, uh, they play like, um, a gay couple who end up having to uh, uh, take care of a, a child. And um, that was one of the, ki- one of the, ki- you know, it was a uh, Steve Coogan's grand uh, son's um, child. And uh, 
they have to take care of him. And uh, it kind of, at first, it tears them apart, but then it brings them together, that kind of thing. And I was, um, you know, I, I sort of love that, you know. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I was surprised. Um, uh, I was just saw it on Amazon when I was like flipping through and doing like this 365 day movie challenge. And I was just yeah, like, I saw, saw it. And I was like, yeah. all yeah, right, here's, you don't want here's another one to put on your Here's another one to put on your list. Uh, it was called uh, The Road Within. Road Within. The Road Within. It's um, it's about a kid that has uh, severe. Um, uh, God, I hate when my when I can't find my words. Um, uh, uh, what is it when you swear? Tourette like, syndrome. Uh, Tourette syndrome, right? Um, he has that. Uh, it has um. Uh, Lenny Kravitz's daughter Zoe Kravitz in it. Um, she has an eating disorder, and then it has this other kid in it, um, who is uh, who's a germaphobe, and nice. the three of them. And I can't tell anything from there because it, it would just take it apart, but it's called the road within it's on Amazon um, and you can find it on other streaming channels, but that is, that is a fun, it's like a good road movie, you know, because they nice. I love those. Yeah. You'll, you'd love that, Jonathan. It's, it's awesome. So I think people should go and check that out as well. Well, there so, you go. Uh, hey, now people got some ideas of what to watch, you know, after yeah, watching yeah. your films too, you know. Um, so everybody check those out. Check check Todd's stuff out um, and uh, support his Indiegogo. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing this every other week like planned or if this is going to be a monthly thing um, and whatnot, but we'll find out. <laughs> it just depends on when people right. are able to come on or whatnot. And uh, so I was really glad you're my first guest of the season. And uh, I think well, this started really off really well. It. I mean, don't know if it'll always go on this long, but uh, I think that's because we had a lot to talk about and, uh, yeah. you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, so everybody check out his stuff and thanks again, Todd. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. Awesome. Yep. Keep your eyes open. I got lots of stuff coming. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.